Thanks, Jenny Lynn. Uh, yeah, Dawson, uh, actually, Dan told me you're going to preach, actually, right between. <laughs> <laughs> Ready in season or out of season, right, is what he said. Um, no, it's great to see you all here. Um, you know, I, I actually helped move Dawson into his apartment when he arrived, right? You remember that? We couldn't get that couch through the door. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, man, I was good friends with uh, his brother, Dustin, who's also um, down there in New Mexico now. And, uh, so we miss all of them. And uh, glad to see you all here. Congrats on the graduation. Anyway, um, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here at Restoration, and it's great for y'all to be with us. We have a lot of visitors this morning, whether it's seminary grads or families or, or people even just maybe you're here visiting the church today or you have been for the last few weeks. We're so thankful that you're here. It's a privilege for us to be able to worship with you all. Um, if you're visiting or if you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we're in a series on the book of First Thessalonians. We're finally into the last chapter, chapter 5. Um, Dan's going to finish it up in a couple weeks. But we're starting in chapter 5 this morning. It's going to be up on the screen, uh, or you can turn to it in the Bibles that are down below the chairs. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, it's near the end. It's, uh, it's a small book, so look for it um, carefully. But as I, as I read the passage, as you turn there, I want you to think about a question. I want you to think about how do you feel when you're in the darkness, when you find yourself in the dark. Now, it can be literal darkness, or it can be an emotionally or spiritually dark place. How do you feel when you're in that moment? Are you afraid? Do you feel lost? Do you feel trapped? How do you feel in the darkness? Think about that question as you turn to 1 Thessalonians, and as I read the passage Again, it's printed up on the screen or in your Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're looking at verses 1 through 11. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day, and we are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. So in this series on 1 Thessalonians, we've been asking the question, when the resurrection of Jesus produces a new church, what kind of community does that form? And we've been looking at all of these different aspects of the community in Thessalonica, and we've been seeing what we can learn from them. Now, Dan last week talked about how the church in Thessalonica was a grieving community. Because certainly the gospel brought joy and new life to this church, but it also brought suffering. There's been persecution. There's even been death among this community because of their commitment to Jesus. 
And if you've ever gone through any kind of suffering yourself, which I think is probably everyone here, you know that suffering has the potential to lead you into a dark place. It can cause you to begin to doubt or question even some of the things that you're the most certain about. That's why I asked that question earlier about how you feel in the darkness. When you're surrounded by the darkness, again, physical, real darkness or emotional, spiritual darkness, it can be easy to be afraid. It can be easy to forget your way, to forget what's true. And Paul calls it this morning, the light. We can forget the light. So as we look at the passage, I want you to imagine how the Thessalonians might be feeling in the midst of the darkness they're experiencing. Particularly as they were having people around them, friends, maybe even family members, suffer and die because of their belief in Jesus. Now, when Paul was with them before he wrote this letter, when he was in person with them, he had taught them about the future return of Jesus, the day of the Lord, as our passage calls it. He taught them about the resurrection of the dead, the hope for the future for those who would die. And that that hope rested on God's promises, the sure foundation of his promises. But in the midst of suffering... They can forget those promises. They can be tempted to lose sight of and be afraid of and be overwhelmed by the future and the darkness. Let me use an example from my own life. I've shared with many of you that this last year for us was incredibly difficult. It was a a place of uncertainty and darkness for our family. Just over a year ago, for a variety of reasons, we decided not to plant a church where we were in Florida, instead to pursue other pastoral roles uh, somewhere else. Now, for a few weeks after that decision, everything seemed to be going great. I was talking to several different churches, including to you all here at Restoration, about different pastoral roles that I was really excited about. Things things seem to be moving forward. God seemed to be confirming our decision to leave. And then COVID happened. And what seemed like a very clear path forward went dark. All these churches, rightfully so, had paused or stopped their searches for pastors as they dealt with all of the uncertainty of COVID. Now, I had already resigned my position at my church in Florida. Our house was already on the market, about to be sold. But suddenly, I was in limbo. I had no job. I had no home. I had nowhere to go to. And you remember how it was early in in the COVID time. People were like, well, it's going to be a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. Nobody really knew. But as month after month after month went on with no end in sight. It became really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. In 15 years of doing ministry up to that point, I had never had a time where I questioned God's call on my life until last spring. In the midst of all of this darkness and uncertainty about what the future held for me and my family, I remember thinking, I don't want to leave ministry. I don't feel called to leave ministry, but I don't have any options. I don't have a job. 
I don't have a way to provide for my family. Is this going to be what takes me out of ministry? I was afraid of the future. Even as well as I knew the promises of God, I felt like I was in the dark. Now on a larger scale, I think this is what the Thessalonians are going through. They know the promises of God. They know what's supposed to be coming in the future. But in that moment of suffering and darkness, when there's death around them, it can be easy for them to lose sight, to be afraid of what's coming in the future, and instead to be focused on what's happening around them. And Paul knows that the way to help them in the midst of the darkness is to remind them of who they really are. The truth of who they really are can guide them out of that darkness. And so in our passage, what Paul reminds them is that they're a community not of darkness, but they're a community of light. And if they're a community of light, that means two things are true about them. First, they're spiritually awake, not asleep. And second, they're spiritually sober, not drunk. Those two aspects of being a community of light are going to guide them in the darkness. So let's look at the first of those. Being a community of light means that they're spiritually awake. Paul placed that in immediate contrast with the way the world operates. Look with me at verse 2. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. See, the world is spiritually asleep in the darkness. So they're concerned with things of the world, achieving worldly security, worldly peace. And so when Jesus does return, they find themselves unprepared. Paul says they won't be able to escape. So there is a legitimate fear to have about the future, about Jesus' return one day. But that fear should only be, Paul says, for the world, for those who are spiritually asleep. Look how he continues on, verses 4 through 6. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake. Paul wants to assure the Thessalonians that because they're a community of light, because they're spiritually awake, they don't have to lose hope about the future. They don't have to lose sight of God's future promises. Instead of being asleep in the darkness to the promises of God, like the world is, followers of Jesus are awake in the light. Another way to translate that word awake is you can say watchful or vigilant. Being a community of light allows them to keep their eyes open and watchful for what's coming, for what God is going to do. They're able to have their eyes on the future and not to get lost in the immediate darkness that might threaten to overwhelm them. Sometime around May last year, I was continuing to feel really lost in the darkness about my future as a pastor and my call to ministry. 
And so I remember going to one of the pastors at our church in Florida, a pastor who'd become a good friend of mine, and I was processing with him how I was feeling and what I was afraid of for the future. And he said, John, don't believe any of that. I've worked with you the last couple years. You're a pastor. And God is going to lead you to something. He is calling you to something he's going to provide. And that reminder for me in the moment of darkness was incredibly powerful. It was an anchor of light for me to hold on to. I needed to be reminded of the truth about myself and about God's promises for me. And that reminder from my pastor friend about what God is doing is what Paul is doing for the Thessalonians here. We all have moments where we need to be reminded that we are part of a community of light. Awake and watchful for the future promises of God. So where do you need that? Where are the moments of darkness for you? Where do you struggle to keep your eyes open and watchful for what God's going to do? To struggle to keep awake and in the light. Is it outside circumstances that overwhelm you? Work, relationships, school, family, illness, death? Or is it internal things? Loneliness, depression, anxiety, besetting sin that's in your life? Where are the places that you need to be reminded that you're awake and you're in the light? And do you have friends that remind you of that? Do you have people that come alongside you and they point you back to the light? Notice in verse 5, Paul shifts from saying, you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so then let us not sleep. He recognizes that this is a community journey. This is a community of light. We are awake. So we remind one another of the light by walking together towards God's promises. Now, I hope that that aspect is encouraging for you, but it, all may, it also may leave you asking a question. What about what I'm actually going through right now? It makes sense to me that God's promises in the future would be sort of a light at the end of the tunnel for me, something to look forward to in the future, something that I need to keep watchful eye for, I need to be vigilant for. God's going to do something. But what about right now? What about the darkness that I'm facing in my day-to-day life? Does being a community of light have any impact on that day-to-day experience? Well, I think Paul answers that question in the rest of verse 6. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Being a community of light also means that we're spiritually sober. If you can translate awake as watchful or vigilant, you can translate sober as clear judgment or we might say having your wits about you or being aware. John Calvin says being spiritually sober means that we're 
aware of the darkness around us, but not entangled by it. It doesn't overwhelm us or overcome us. So we might think about being awake and watchful as having an eye on the future of what God's going to do. I think the call to sobriety is more grounded in the present. We have this eye on the future, but verse 8, Paul then says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Paul recognizes, yes, there's a future aspect. Jesus is coming back. Those promises are true, but we're in the middle of battle right now, and we need armor and protection. There's a battle against sin and evil and darkness in the world. Now, we're not going to get into the details of this armor except to say this. Look at the words there. The breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of hope. Faith, hope, and love you've heard us talk about for the last several weeks in this series because that theme comes up over and over and over again in this letter. So if you want to know some of the practical ways in which this armor is going to help you battle, all our sermons are available online. You can go back and listen. But the point is, right now, there is provision for us in this armor given to us by God. There's a recognition that, yes, the promises of hope are true for the future, but right now, we're also provided for in the midst of the battle. So we stay awake and watchful for God's promises to be filled in the future. We stay sober and aware of the darkness and sin around us, but not overwhelmed by it. All that sounds great. The problem is I'm not very good at any of it. I have a hard time keeping my eyes on God's promises for the future. I have a hard time fighting against sin and darkness every day. I don't do a good job of keeping my eyes on the hope of the future or the battle against sin. So the idea of continuing in that journey for the rest of my life, a life of always being watchful for God's promises, always being sober and aware of the sin and the darkness in the world right now, even in the midst of a great community of light around me, that can be intimidating to think about. That's why it's so important how Paul ends this chapter. Look at verses 9 through 11. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. The foundation for a community of light to do all the things we've talked about this morning is the salvation of Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection. Paul says we are destined to obtain that salvation because of the work of Jesus. That word destined there means that it's established, it's fixed, it's certain. So Jesus made it so that being part of a community of light isn't just a choice we make, it's a destiny. It's firmly established by his death on the cross. As I walked through the rest of last year, 
trying to keep my eyes on these future promises of God for me, trying to fight against the realities of the present darkness that I was in, no house, no job, COVID limiting any job opportunities I might have, I came to a realization. Yes, I wanted to be a pastor. Yes, I felt called to that work. But there weren't immediate opportunities or answers for that. There weren't even things in the future that I could be certain of that were coming. I had to find rest in something else. So friends that came around me and they walked with me through that season, what they kept pointing me to was not, oh, trust us, you're going to get a job. Things will be okay. No, what they pointed me to was the finished work of Jesus for me. At the end of the day, whatever I was called to, Whatever job I ended up getting, wherever I ended up living, my foundation had to rest in Jesus' finished work on the cross for me. That was what mattered for the core of who I was. That had to be my foundation, and it has to be ours. As we struggle through being a community of light, as you struggle to remember the promises of God, for the future, as you struggle to fight against the daily darkness of sin and the things that life throws at you, rest in the work of Jesus finished for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're not the ones that have to do that work, that you've already done it for us, that your death on the cross gave us new life, made us a community of light, so that we might be able to fight against sin, that we might be able to continue to hope in the future of your promises and your goodness. Help us to do that this morning as we come to the table. In your name we pray. Amen.